What's happening, people? We're back. Episode... I always say that at the start of the podcast. It's like, it's episode... And then, I don't actually remember what episode this is, so... It's episode... It will be on the show notes. Anyway, how was that for an introduction? I know. should probably... And I, I, I need to make this a little bit more professional, don't I? But then again, do I? So, today's episode, we're going to cover a few questions that have come up in a... A theme that's come up throughout check-ins and different bits that I've done with my clients this week. Um, as always, please do share the podcast, leave ratings, leave reviews. It will introduce more people to the podcast, which will introduce more people to me, which means I can help more people, and that would be quite nice, to be honest. So if you learn anything off the back of listening to this, all I ask is that you leave a review on our podcast and tell me. Think it's shit? Leave a review and tell me. I don't care. But I do care. And it's not shit, so don't say that. <laughs> um, but anyway, we'll go straight into it. So one of the questions I've got asked, I'm just going to pull up the exact wording of the question before we go into it. So it's from Amy in my client group. It said, uh, can you eat too much protein or do you stop getting as much benefit from it at a certain threshold? Excellent, excellent question, Amy. We're happy with this one. So the, the short answer is no. You can't eat too much protein. There is for some people, if you have pre-existing issues around your kidneys, then you can potentially. And that's where I've had clients before where we've had to set lower limit protein goals because that would be detrimental to their health to have higher protein goals. So you have to focus in other areas of the diet. So I suppose, yeah, if you have pre-existing kidney conditions and you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you've spoken to a doctor about that. Um, So, yes, in that case, you can eat too much protein. However... Otherwise, no. It's a ve- and also, I very, very rarely ever speak to people who eat too much protein um, in any, like, even way over protein targets. As lots of you listening to this, who I'm sure have tried with weight loss and fat loss and things, protein isn't the easiest target to hit because it usually requires quite big changes to existing diets. So, no, you can't eat too much protein. But do you stop getting the second half of the question? This, this, uh, do you stop getting as much benefit from it at a certain threshold? So, first, before we go into that, we should recap what protein does, because rightly so, myself, other personal trainers, coaches, and stuff on Instagram will talk about the benefits of protein when it comes to muscle building, because you know it repairs and grows muscles, which is the reason why people have a link with protein shakes and big muscly guys in the gym because we know that protein's job is around building muscle. Cool. But that's not the only thing that protein does. It's really important that you understand this. Um, I got a question on Instagram this week about um, diet for the immune system. Protein is something that will help with that. Eating adequate protein can help your immune system function properly. Uh, Protein helps build your hair. It helps build your skin. It's the most satiating of the macronutrients. So it means that Another benefit of a high protein diet when on a diet is the fact that it leaves you fuller. Uh, How good is that? If you eat more protein, you can feel more full. If you're trying to lose weight, what would be really helpful? Probably feeling more full because we know that hunger is normal when dieting. So muscle pro... I nearly gave away what I'm about to talk about. Muscle building is not the only benefit that we get from protein, okay? That's really important that you know that as I'm about to answer the next stage of the question. So then it's, do we stop getting as much benefit from a certain threshold of protein? Well, yes, when it comes to muscle 
building. So we have what's called muscle protein synthesis, and that is simply the building of muscle. It's a really posh way of saying muscle building, right? And we stimulate that through our protein intake. Now, for most people, that's stimulated by between 20 and 30 grams. Depending on, obviously, your body size, it's going to be give or take a few grams either side. But let's just, for the sake of this podcast, we're just going to talk about it between 20 and 30 grams, right? And a serving of 20 to 30 grams of protein will stimulate that muscle protein synthesis, okay? It's got to be between 20 and 30 grams. Then muscle protein synthesis will take place. And about three hours later, we can do that again. We can have another 20 to 30 grams of protein to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So in theory, across the day, we could probably do that four or five times. Again, you may have heard of quite bodybuilder diets where they split meals up across the day every three hours. That's why they're trying to do that muscle protein thing. It's a very difficult word. They're trying to cause muscle protein synthesis. Say it right, mate. Synthesis across the day. Okay. Now, here's the important bit. We can do more than what I've just said. So 20 to 30 grams spikes it every roughly three hours, two to three hours again, if we're going to get really picky, but roughly three hours, right? You can't, for instance, have 20 to 30 grams every hour and constantly spike muscle protein synthesis across the course of the day. So you turn into the rock. You can't do that. You can't have 40 to 50 grams of protein instead of 20 to 30 grams to spike muscle protein synthesis even further further i can't speak at all on this podcast so the threshold of benefits from protein for building muscle yes there is a threshold it's 20 to 30 grams okay after that there's no additional benefit to even more protein servings when it comes to muscle building alone we could get a little bit complicated here and talk about leucine shall we fuck it we're here now i've said it so we protein is made up of amino acids i've talked about this before on a podcast in terms of bcaas when i talk about the threshold and muscle protein synthesis we have one of the amino acids that's called leucine and it's actually leucine whose job it is to create that muscle protein synthesis leucine is a component of protein we need all of the amino acids but it's leucine's job within that to actually cause the muscle protein synthesis to happen. Um, that's why if you're a vegetarian or vegan, it's very important that we look at the amino acid. But we make sure you're getting enough leucine because I've really gone off a tangent here. But um, in vegetarian and vegan protein sources, leucine tends to be lower. Anyway, real tangent. But sorry. Yeah. So there is a threshold to muscle protein synthesis of 20 to 30 grams a serving. Eating more than that per serving does not positively benefit muscle protein synthesis pause remember muscle building isn't proteins only benefit healthy hair healthy skin supporting your immune system we have whole body protein synthesis and so muscle protein synthesis whole body protein synthesis the 20 to 30 grams that you have for building muscle amazing but let's say you have um two chicken breasts for your dinner what's that going to be probably about 60 grams of protein it's not that the other extra 30 grams is pointless because it's not doing muscle protein synthesis. Your body will use it for other areas of protein synthesis in the body. It has all the jobs that it can do. We can use protein as an energy source. We can break it down and use it as energy if we need it to. So, yes, there is a threshold of what benefit we get from protein synthesis in terms of muscle protein synthesis. But that doesn't mean you should never eat over 30 grams of protein because your body will still use that protein effectively in other areas of your body. Hopefully that answers that one. Um, okay, second bit I wanted to talk about was rep range because, and I actually wrote this down because I was doing a check-in this week 
And I said a sentence, and I thought to myself, fucking hell, mate, that was clever. <laughs> um, I said, did you hear me opening the paper then? If you did, it's because I wrote it down on a notepad and I just opened the notepad. Um, the exercise programme is only going to be as good as the execution of each individual exercise. That's what I said. And what I was referring to was in relation to rep ranges, because you may have heard of the different rep ranges when it comes to training. You hear of like, I can't remember the exact number that people use, like one to five for strength, eight to 12 for hypertrophy muscle building, 12 to 16 for endurance. So it's something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's roughly those numbers anyway. And you hear of these different rep ranges. Now, the rep range is only relevant and only works if the execution and the intensity around that rep range is appropriate. So what I mean is just because I set a rep range of eight to 10 reps for a client, for example, let's say that they've got um, squats, eight to 10 reps, okay? They could do eight to 10 reps of a squat with five kilograms. And that's not gonna cause any sort of intensity or muscle damage because they've chosen five fucking kilograms. Oh, swear it, mate, settle down. Um, it's not the eight to ten reps that that causes the benefit it's the weight selection within that rep range that causes the benefit so the point of rep ranges is that you choose a weight that is challenging within that number you'll see and i guarantee right maybe you're in the gym listening to this podcast right maybe you're going to walk into the gym listening to this podcast that's where i listen to my podcast when i'm walking to the gym uh, i always have good music on and when I say good music it's always like 80s classics when I'm in the gym anyway um but I can guarantee you'll see this in gyms you'll see somebody on a machine doing 20 30 reps with no weight on it whatsoever that's just you're wasting your time don't go to the gym do something else <laughs> you're you're wasting your time when you're when you're you're doing that like there's no inter- all right Maybe I'm being a little bit harsh. Maybe the person gets benefit from going to the gym for mental health. But my point is, when it comes to the the physical results, you're not going to get any. Just because you hit a certain rep range, that rep range is only going to work if you actually choose a weight that's challenging in those rep ranges. If that's a weight that you could essentially do 20, 30 reps with, then the concept of rep range is completely irrelevant to you because your weight selection in general isn't appropriate. You should. It should be tough should be really fucking hard. It, it shouldn't be just something that it, it's just a nice number. And it's like, yeah, done my eight to ten reps. Move on. It should be, oh, I just about managed nine reps there. That was tough. I need a rest. That's what you should be thinking of when you have these rep ranges and when you when you see these programs. So like, you could have a program written for you by the absolute king of strength and conditioning, the best I don't know who the best PT in the world would be. Anyway, you know my, you get my point. You could have one of the most experienced programs written for you of all time. Doesn't mean you're going to get results from that program. The only way you'll actually get the results when it comes to a training program is executing the program with intensity for the exercises that are there. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm about to go on another tangent. But again, not just with rep ranges, but but the exercise. It's not necessarily the individual exercise that gets the results. Now, of course, I think like this is going away from stuff like exercise selection, stuff like that and regression. Anyway, but my point being, 
An exercise isn't magic, but it's the intensity that you're going to perform those exercises at that's going to make the difference. You could have somebody, right, with a real variety of a program, right? They they have all the supersets, they've got drop sets, they've got rest pauses, they've got all sorts, right? A real detailed exercise program. And then you could have somebody with four exercises, four simple compound movements, say squat, overhead press, um, chest supported row, bench press, right? Dumbbell bench press, because you could superset that. Anyway, um, the person with the really fancy program trains at 50% intensity, despite having all these different like fancy rep ranges and supersets and all that sort of shit. The person with four exercises, do three sets of each exercise, eight to 10 reps, uh, fuck, I'm swearing a lot, but at a good intensity. Who do you think gets better results? The person with the fancy program or the one with a really basic one that's executed efficiently? I think we all know the answer, don't we? So rep ranges, yes, they're important, but they're only important if you're actually using them as they're meant to be used. Train hard, people. Train hard. <laughs> okay, the next thing I want to talk about. So I'll tell you why I'm talking about this. As we all know, Instagram, WhatsApp and Facebook went down the other night. Annoying. Did anyone get on iMessage, though? I did. I've been playing, you know you can play against your mates on iMessage, you can play little games, I've been playing Uno, um, I don't know if he's going to listen to this podcast, but Acer, he's one of my mates who plays Uno with me, and he's shit, he's proper shit at it, <laughs> I really hope he listens, I'm going to tell him to listen, anyway, um, but as you may know, Instagram, Facebook, all those stuff went down the other day, so I actually was recording a video to post on it at the time, um, and then I tried to post it afterwards, and my Instagram was being full so i was recording a video about change and how something has to change and you have to be ready for something to change but i couldn't get it on my instagram so i thought you know what i'm going to save it we're going to discuss it on the podcast because i can talk about it in a bit more depth but specifically about readiness to change and willingness to change because where you are now physically probably also mentally but when we're talking about like physical results like fat loss is the like you're your body's the perfect indicator of energy balance. It's the perfect indicator of how much of a deficit, how much of a surplus and how much of a maintenance phase you've been in for your entire life. You can't trick that. Like you can't, it, you know, scale weight, yes, it'll fluctuate. Pictures will look different in good lighting. Uh, measurements could, could change week by week, whatever. Your body's a pretty accurate indicator of where you're at, okay? Now, if fat loss is the goal and something you, you want to change that, right? then something else has to change. Something else that, that you're doing has to change because what you're currently doing and what you've done has got you to your, your current position, where you're at. So let's say currently your weekends are, are real heavy, the booze filled, the takeaways two or three times a week. That can't carry on if you want to change the physical results that you want to get, can it? Because you're currently doing that and you're where you are right now. And that's hard. Change is really, really, I nearly said F, but I didn't. Change is really, really hard, and we have to be ready for that change, and we have to accept that that change needs to happen, and that's what I'm talking about, readiness to change, because we've all done that thing where you, you start to think about, you know, I'm going to do this, but then what you're used to pops up. You know, you get somebody at the home, your husband, your wife, your missus, your whoever, says to you, should we get a takeaway? And you're like, mm, yeah, go on then. That answer at some stage has to change, but you have to be ready for it to change. And when it does, and when you do change, 
going to be proper, proper weird. Because when you're changing these sort of things, it can't just be like a short-term change it for a week, but for the results that most people will get, it's got to be longer term. You know, diets, nobody likes hearing it, but they last longer than six weeks. They, they do if you want to be like, yes, you could crash diet yourself for a, a couple of weeks, but realistically, diets last for a lot longer than that. And it's really hard to change those sort of things and change those sort of habits at first, and it will feel weird at first. But if you're going to get the results that you want to get, then you have to accept that. To be honest with you, you have to accept that these things need to change for the end result to change. I feel like I'm saying change an awful lot. But if where you are currently at is not where you want to be at physically, then the actions that you've taken have led you to that. So those actions have got to change if where you end up physically is going to change as well. You can't expect, again, like say, for example, what I've just talked about with the exercise program. Maybe you've got an exercise program and, you know, you're not seeing the results. How well are you following it? How intense is your training? That might need to change. If the results you're currently getting from your exercise program, yeah, all right, it could be a terrible program and not designed very well at all. But for a lot of people listening to this, I don't think that would be the case because if you're one of my clients, it's definitely not. Um, but more importantly, if you're not one of my clients and you hopefully listen to other podcasts and I've talked about good ways of building training programs. Um, but maybe your approach to training needs to change. Maybe at the moment you're quite lax in terms of your habits and mid-sessions and, and that's got you to where you currently are. So now moving forward, you can't afford to miss sessions and you need to train intensely because then that will change the end product of those sessions. Um, so yeah, it, it, it can be hard like I say, to acknowledge that. And some, I, in my opinion, and I see this a lot, I had I had this myself, like however many years of on-off crap dieting, attempted daft gym programs and stuff. And I remember when it switched for me, I can really clearly remember the sort of period of my life where I was like, Do you know what, I can't afford to just keep going out and getting absolutely twatted every weekend. Um, I actually want to, to train properly. I can't just keep trying to, spend my Mondays and Tuesdays doing cardio to make up for heavy sessions. And I remember that sort of period where I went through and I just started saying no to stuff. Like, and I started to try and put more into my training, more into my nutrition. And I have this with clients where they do have those, I don't know, it's like a switch, just clicks. And I do, honestly, I can't tell you this is what you have to do to make that switch happen. Because I think for everyone that's going to take time and I think it's an individual process you have to go through. But what you can do is start making those little changes day by day. You can start to make little adaptations. You can start to notice the, the habits that you've currently got and start to make small changes to those. And then one day, I promise you, a, a switch just clicks. And it's like, you know what? This is it now. Like I, I know this is what I need to, how I want to behave, how I want to live. And these are the results that I want to get. Um, that was a lot, wasn't it? Intense. But yeah, change is important because it has to happen for most results to be honest with you, any result, any result in anything, don't even, it's not, don't even have to just be fitness, does it? Like if you want to get a result and you're not currently getting it, then what your actions are to get that result has to change. Hopefully that makes sense. I feel like I've talked a lot about that subject. Um, okay, last bit, and this one's important. Shout out to my sister, because it made me think of it this week. So my sister got me a book this week, right? Thank you. But, <laughs> so my sister got me a book this week and 
it's gone to the back of my reading list. And it's not because I don't think the book is good, but it's because I'm in a little period at the minute. So I, obviously, trying to run, oh, it feels weird calling it a business, but that's what I do. And I will read all the typical sort of self-development business books, like things to try and advance and stuff like that. And my podcasts are always, always or have always been focused on, you know, areas of nutrition that I want to learn about more in depth and training or Again, other things about growing business and, you know, all the typical sort of podcasts that I'm sure high performance podcasts and everything else that people have listened to. And about three weeks ago, I was like, oh, my God, my head's fried. I need to switch off from it all. And I started making myself write in my diary, basically two hours in the middle of every day for switching off time for where I would normally listen to podcasts or read or something like that where it's nothing to do with that. So I'm actually reading fiction books at the minute. Um playing FIFA 22 because that's out um but making sure that for a period of my day that I'm completely switching off from the world of trying to grow a business and fitness and nutrition and that sort of stuff and the reason also in in my attempted switching off the other day watch that new thing on Netflix the first episode you know that's squid games that's weird isn't it have you, have you heard that it's weird anyway so the reason I'm telling you that is not because I think you need to switch off from learning about business, unless you do. But the reason I'm telling you that is that because I think it's a really important part for long-term dieting. Because there are people, and I work with people, and you may be listening to this, um, and this is sounds like yourself. There are people who a diet has got to be a real long process. And it's it's quite frankly, if you've got a lot of weight to lose. If you have a lot of weight to lose, you've probably gained it over a long period of time. So we'd be naive if we were imagining that it wasn't going to take a long time to come off. I know that's not what most of Instagram and PTs sell you, but it's the truth. It's going to take a long time. When I say a long time, it could be over a year. That's like simple. And when that is a big focus of your life, and amazing that it's a big focus of your life, by the way, because it's it's taking steps to improve your health. But equally, when it is a big focus of your life, it can become a big thought throughout every day you know you start thinking about are you going to get your steps that day are you going to train that day and these are the things you have to think about like you do have to think about them um your nutrition what you're having seen stuff like that and putting a bit, bit of extra focus onto planning these sort of things and being prepared all really good habits to have for being healthy but that comes with the side of things where it can be heavy it can be a lot on us it can be a lot to consume in your mind each day and I said this to a client this week. How often is she switching off completely? Completely from thinking about her steps, completely from calories and stuff, and just doing an hour of something fun every day. Switching off and like like I said, for me, I can relate it to reading a fiction book. I read I Am Pilgrim in about a week. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book, it's brilliant. Um I play FIFA literally every day. I, I'm getting good at it, this FIFA 22. It's a bit weird compared to the last one. But anyway, but I make sure inside every single day that I have a block of time that I'm just not going to think about anything, like just downtime. Because we have that for kids. You let you, like, no offence, but you're a kid. Um, but we have that downtime for kids where we just let them play and have fun basically away from like work or homework or whatever. But we don't do it for ourselves, which means that these certain things can sort of become all consuming and when you have a longer term goal, particularly around fitness, it's really important that that doesn't become everything. 
and that every single day you're having real time away and then activities as well like getting yourself out going I don't know going to the cinema booking a spa day booking a full body massage whatever but making sure that across the course of a week that you're doing fun things away from the world of like not this is important when I'm talking about these fun things they're not to do with eating and drinking they're not fun things like your favorite exercise class they are literally nothing to do with your diet or your training and when you give yourself that break and that downtime it means that you can actually sustain what you're doing for longer because you're able to put energy into it because not all of your energy isn't going into it you have time for other stuff and you have time for things outside of fitness so make sure you have time off make time you make sure you have time to switch off because the truth is that will actually help you get better results so there we go that's everything enjoyed that hope you did too again please give it a share if it was uh, helpful for you please leave a review leave a rating share on your instagram tag me if you've got requests and things you'd love me to cover on the podcast send me a message but yes hope you're good and thanks for listening